It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Well, y'all, I was hoping that they'd win today so this wouldn't be the case, but it appears it's going to be yet another long season here in Carolina. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our model here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to follow me. Julian Council on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Wednesdays throughout the rest of the regular season, as there will be no postseason, you can either at me or DM me over on Twitter, at Julian Council, to get your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions in. So go ahead and do that right now. Follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council. Get those questions into me right now. Today's episode of Blocked on Panthers is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com. Dot com slash lockdown NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Got a little choked up there. Trying to smile through the pain. As the Carolina Panthers are now 0-4, they lose at home 21-13 against the Minnesota Vikings. Yet another opposing team takeover there at Bank of America Stadium. And quite frankly, sick of seeing that, but more sick of watching the Carolina Panthers lose Sunday in and Sunday out, no matter whether it's Matt Rule coaching, Steve Wilkes briefly last year, even though we went 500, which is pretty good considering everything else we've watched the last couple of years, or this all-star coaching staff led by head coach Frank Reich. I'm tired of watching it. I'm sick of it, and I'm getting this out to you a little bit later here on Sunday night as I had to go work uh, my day job at NASCAR. So I was following the game in the first half uh, on my phone on ESPN. I was able to watch it, but I was following, and I saw the Carolina Panthers got off to a dream start. Now I just finished watching the game. That's why I finally came up here. I got to watch second half, but finally ended up watching the first half of the game. You cannot ask for a better start for the Carolina Panthers than what they got off to at home with that pick six by Sam Franklin of Kirk Cousins, who I don't know whether he threw it late, Bad throw, great play by Sam Franklin. Either way, results into a 99-yard pick six. Stadium is alive, and that's exactly what you needed in a game that you needed to have, that you must have in order to avoid an 0-4 start, get to 1-3, then find a way the next two weeks on the road at Detroit and at Miami to split those games, then come out of the bye playing against the Texans, the Colts, and the Bears and have a chance to right the ship. So a great start by the Panthers. Then they come out, get a three and out. The offense has a 15-play drive, aided by some penalties late there in the red zone. I am really on the fence on whether they should have thrown a flag on whoever that was in the Vikings for hitting Bryce Young. I don't know if you heard the whistle. I don't know whether it really matters because oftentimes, if that's like Tom Brady back when he played getting hit, that is obviously going to be a flag. And we recall one referee once upon a time telling Cam Newton, you haven't been in the league long enough to get that that call. 
I feel like Bryce Young's been in the league long enough to probably get that call. But it doesn't help when you don't get it. You're having to call timeout anyways, or it's uh, not. there's not even a timeout. It's a false start. Terrace Marshall, false starting that situation. The same boneheaded mistakes that we've seen from this offense the last couple weeks where we saw eight of those false starts last week to have one of those when you have third and goal from the three to back it up and make it more difficult, that cannot happen. So I'm kind of on the fence of whether that should have been a flag or not. I, I don't really know. All I know is the Carolina Panthers once again drive down the field, have an opportunity where you've already scored a defensive touchdown, which you desperately need considering how bad your offense is. You get a three and out from your defense, and then you get down the field. You got to turn that into six and then make the extra point, get up 14 nothing, and really have the Vikings on their heels. Instead, you kick a field goal. Minnesota comes back and scores a touchdown. They had to go for it on fourth down on their own 44. They convert, get down the field, score Justin Jefferson. Look like the Panthers are playing zone coverage. Where Jamison, he passes it off to Sam Franklin. Sam Franklin's trying to pass it off to somebody else. No one's there. Justin Jefferson wide open in the end zone. 10-7 Panthers are only up by three points. Could have had way more momentum early in that game. But still, when you're up to nothing, you feel good about where you stand at home. And overall, the offense really didn't do anything. In the first half of that game, where they go field goal, should have been a touchdown, whether it's a flag or not, you got to convert, score a touchdown situation. Punt, punt, then the other field goal comes after Itor Grosmato. So I talked about him last week, making an impact, makes a huge impact as the Vikings were going down the field looking like they were either going to tie or take the lead going into the half. He hits Kirk Cousins, throws it up, and then Kamu Grie-Hill ended up starting today as Deion Jones was inactive after starting last week in place of Shaq Thompson. He takes it back to midfield. The Panthers get a first down with Adam Thielen. Then I don't know what the clock management was there because there really was no, there wasn't any clock management. I don't know why they called timeout, putting Eddie Pinheiro in a situation where he had to kick a 50-plus yard field goal, which he did make a career-long 56 after missing what would have been a career-long 55 last week in Seattle. I don't think they're scoring a touchdown on that drive anyways, but you would have liked to get more of an opportunity and maybe take a shot at the end zone. So weird what happened there. But the Carolina Panthers had momentum going into the half with two interceptions of Kirk Cousins, one of them leading to a touchdown, the other one leading to three points. We got the week one against Atlanta. The Falcons really didn't do anything offensively, but they were able to capitalize on the turnovers Carolina Panthers uh, gave them. The Carolina Panthers capitalized in the first half on the turnovers that they were able to get for the Minnesota Vikings. That is a positive. Now, you would like for the offense to you know, score a touchdown when they have a long drive. I wasn't expecting them to score a touchdown after the interception, but you would have, of course, liked for them to get an opportunity to take a shot into the end zone. But you're up 13-7 at the half in a game that you have to have at home. You feel good about yourself. But then you come out of the third quarter, and the first play you run is a run up the middle for a yard. Then you're throwing it out to the flat to Terrace Marshall for a yard. Then Bryce Young's under duress trying to run. But still, you get a three and out and you have an opportunity, you're driving down the field. And this is where the game changed on Sunday afternoon in the loss for the Panthers. Third and 11, the Carolina Panthers, I believe, were one for seven at that point in time in the game. Bryce Young evades the blitz, finds Adam Thielen, the exact kind of stuff that Bryce Young did at Alabama that you would hope he would do here in Carolina and why the Carolina Panthers took him number one overall and gave up all those picks to go get him. That is the kind of play that you wanted to see. I wrote it down, and I said, all right, let me mark that down. Bryce Young converts. If the Panthers go on to score a touchdown here and win the game, that's going to be the play I point to to what changed the game. First and 10, you talk about taking shots, double move to G.J. Chark, throw it down the sideline, and you think it's going to be a DPI. Instead, 
They say the ball wasn't out of the hands yet, so they call it a illegal contact, which is only a five-yard penalty, but not a big deal. First and 10, 12 yards, you throw it to LaVisca Chenault. Maybe this thing actually works when they throw it to him. Uh, first and 10, 13 yards to LaVisca Chenault, but Ike Aquanu, who again makes a ton of mistakes so far this season, he's called for an eligible man downfield. Have to know when a quick pass like that happens, you cannot get down the field past a yard. In college, you can go three. But Ike has not been in college for a while now, guys. He's played enough NFL games to understand that he cannot go. And he just ran down there trying to block somebody. Just stay put, and you're sitting there with a first and goal at the eight-yard line. Instead, it's a first and 15. Panthers decide, you know, let's do this. Let's run the football. They lose two yards trying to run with Miles Sanders. Second and 17, Bryce Young is sacked by Harrison Smith. Uh, you Comes unblocked. No one's there. The back in the the back that was back there was um, Chuba Hubbard. He goes to take the inside guy. That's the quickest guy at the quarterback. Makes sense. On the outside, on the right side, Harrison Smith comes unblocked. Lights up Bryce. Bryce fumbles. DJ Wunham takes it back for a 51-yard touchdown. It's 14-13 Vikings, and that changed everything on Sunday afternoon. The Panthers' next series, they go three and out. They pick up a grand total of minus nine yards, punt the ball, Vikings get a short field, find a mismatch on a offside play by the Panthers, Deshaun Jameson on Justin Jefferson, touchdown Vikings, 21-13, and just like that, the Carolina Panthers, who convert on a third and 11, who think that maybe they're about to get a first down in goal as I hit my computer and mess up the camera here live on YouTube, where they look like they're about to get a first down in goal, but it's not called a DPI, but then when they get down the field and feel like they have a first down in goal, it's a penalty. Because their boneheaded left tackle doesn't know to stay on the line of scrimmage when they do a quick pass like that to LaVishka Chenault. That changed everything. They were so close to being able to go up two scores again and to take control of that game in the third quarter. But then just like that, Vikings are up, extending their lead, and then the Carolina Panthers offense is trying to play catch up. And if you look at this game, honestly, Harrison Smith Almost single-handedly won it for the Vikings, considering the three sacks that he had on Sunday. That first one, where again, comes unblocked on the right side. I'm not going to really put that on Taylor Moten. It looked like they sent like seven guys. The Panthers' protection wasn't going to be able to pick him up. I thought Chuba Hubbard, not knowing what the protection was, probably made the right decision to go after the guy coming up the middle, considering that's the guy who's going to be quicker to the quarterback. And then Bryce has just got to get rid of it faster, maybe. I, I don't know. But Harrison Smith makes a great play. Vikings take the lead. You look back to the final drive of the, of the game where the Carolina Panthers get down into the red zone. They get the first and goal at the nine, do nothing on first down. Then on second down, it's unblocked yet again. The same thing that you saw. Then it was, I think there was a back in there at that point in time. I'm not sure whether it was that play or the fourth down play, but I think it was that play where there was a back. It was Chuba Hubbard, and the back goes to the left to block nobody. And then on the right side, There's no one blocking Harrison Smith. That leads to a sack. You got third and goal from the 18. Then again, nothing that happens on third down. Carolina Panthers at the fourth down. Ike Aquanu, yet another mistake. Let's Harrison Smith go right by him on the left side. Sacks Bryce Young, and that's the ball game. You get to first and goal at the nine where you got to score, get the two-point conversion, give your chance, uh, team a chance to go to overtime. You have a chance to be right there, and you lose 14 yards on the next four plays. That just sums up where the Carolina Panthers are at right now offensively. 
They can't figure out their protections, and if even they have the protection right, they can't protect. The offense is unimaginative with the first down run calls, and we get into that later on here on the show, and they're unable to make the plays that are necessary when the game is on the line. And that now results to an 0-4 start where your season pretty much, as far as any playoff aspirations, are gone out the window as the only team that's ever been to the playoffs after starting 0-4, the 1992 Chargers, and they were in the AFC. No team in the NFC has ever gone 0-4 and gone to the playoffs. Of course, the Chargers only played 16 games back then, but even with that extra data point, I don't feel like the Carolina Panthers are in a great position, obviously, to make the playoffs after what I watched today, but really what I've watched for the four, first four games of the season. And then you have trips to Detroit, who is now 3-1 and one after winning at Lambeau yet again, and at Miami, who lost today against the Bills. Hard to see the Carolina Panthers necessarily going and winning those two games, which they absolutely need to do if they want to have any chance after the bye of stacking wins against other, you know, not so great teams in turning things around in the second half of the season. So the Carolina Panthers fall 21 to 13, had their opportunity, but everything changed when the blitz was not picked up and Harrison Smith forced Bryce Young to a fumble that resulted to a touchdown. And that was all she wrote from there for the Carolina Panthers on Sunday at home, sort of, against the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, so many numbers when you look at this game where you just scratch your head and wonder how on earth do you lose this kind of game with these kind of numbers. And also, yet another defensive starter goes down. What's the latest on Dante Jackson? And how much longer can the Carolina Panthers defense hold with this amount of injuries? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. When you do so, make sure to add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience that you can quickly prioritize who you like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, back here on Locked On Panthers. We're live following every Carolina Panthers game, even if I have to work, which is the only Sunday this will happen where I have to come on. A few hours, about four hours after the game, 
It was an early game, too. The game uh, ended like at 341, so quick one uh, for all the folks out there. And a beautiful day in Charlotte. Uh, but appreciate the uh, 79 people who are live with me here on YouTube again. Anytime you miss a live episode, it's always going to be there on YouTube later on. You can always listen to it on your uh, podcasting feed, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. So appreciate all the folks here on a Sunday evening who are checking this out before, I guess, you guys are going to turn on NBC and go watch the Jets. I don't know why you would do that, but maybe you just want to watch Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift because that's a huge thing all week long. I don't know. Let's talk about the Panthers, though. So just going back and looking at the numbers, and I had I looked at my friend's group chat, and my friend had pointed out how the Panthers had the ball twice as long as the Vikings and still somehow lost, which is great that you can win the time of possession game. We've seen uh, far too many times over the last couple of seasons where the Panthers' offense has been anemic and not been able to win time of possession, and then the defense tires out. It's kind of a Tales oldest time where the Carolina Panthers defense wears down. That was not the case today. Where the Carolina Panthers, while basically doing not much at all offensively, they scored a grand total of six points on offense. So somehow they scored six points and held the ball for 38 minutes and 29 seconds. Nearly twice as much as the Minnesota Vikings had that one costly turnover to the Vikings, two costly turnovers that led to 10 points. The Panthers had 20 first downs to the Vikings, 14. They were 5 for 14 on third down. The Vikings were 1 of 8. 1 of 8. The Panthers ran 68 plays for 232 yards for 3.4 yards per play. The Vikings ran 24 less plays, 44 plays for 265 yards, 6 yards per play. So the Vikings were... On the field, half the amount of time as the Panthers. The Vikings ran 24 less plays, but have more yardage and were far more effective in those plays. That is just mind-boggling how this team can be that anemic, that inept on offense, scoring six points. The field goal on their opening drive, which it's just it's odd to me how... That first drive, you get four carries for LaVishka Chenault. Not LaVishka Chenault, for uh, Chuba Hubbard. You get, he gets four carries, and where I wrote it down here somewhere. Four carries to 20 yards on that opening drive. Then didn't get another carry, I believe, until the second half. You, you get Adam Thielen involved on a throw to the outside. That was more of a run than an actual. It was a pass, but they, they ruled it behind, so they said it was a run. They ruled it as a lateral, so they said it was a run. You get him involved. You see things on the opening drive, the scripted drive that you never see throughout the game just think back to week one against the Falcons where they were given LaVishka Chenault the ball the whole time they and then they stopped doing it the rest of the game and you didn't really see it again until like today like the second half of the game today or really actually that was the opening drive I think where Chenault touched the ball so it's, it's wild how things just completely changed with the offense after the opening drive and that's really the test of how good of a play caller you have is are they able to move the football when things aren't scripted and as we've seen so far Frank Reich that has not been the case. And we can get into that conversation because I know after two weeks, y'all wanted Frank Reich to not call the plays anymore. Uh, I know probably here after four weeks, you know, four, you want Thomas Brown to have an opportunity. I already have someone in my DMs saying conspiracy theory. Thomas Brown's actually calling the plays and Frank Reich's protecting him. That's not happening at all. Uh, but maybe things will change. I don't know. Frank said if he feels like it's what's best for the team, then he'll hand it over. And he has said at some point in time he's going to hand it over. I don't know when that's going to be. But the results so far are clearly not good enough. And I don't know if changing play callers will change things, but they at least need to be a little bit, just a tiny bit more inventive on offense than what they've been so far this season. 
I don't think highly of LaVishka Chenault. I don't like when people use his name in the same sentence as the guy who played at South Carolina, who plays for the 49ers, whose name I'm not going to use because I don't want to be pot calling a kettle black by saying his name and LaVishka Chenault's name in the same sentence. I don't understand that because I know what that guy made and I know how much this guy's not going to make once we roll around to March. But clearly he can do a little bit for you, so you should try it out just a tad bit. Don't think he's all that great of a player, but maybe use more of your options out there. Because that's what I've talked about going into the season. While the Panthers' playmakers, which are non-existent, aren't very exciting, there's more options than there were last year when it was just DJ and Terrace Marshall for the final 12 games of the season. So why not try to utilize them? You rarely saw DJ Chark in the game. I think he got three targets, two receptions. Hayden Hurst, three targets, one reception. I just don't understand why they're not doing more to try and get those guys the ball. And I had someone DMA asking, hey, why are they not trying to stretch the field? Well, I'm, they, again, they mentioned once again that, hey, we had calls. They got killed. You heard throughout the Fox broadcast, Bryce saying, kill, kill, kill. Looking at the blitzes, we knew that Brian Flores, who had blitzed 80% of the time last week against the Chargers, and that loss is going to try to bring in the blitz against a rookie and Bryce Young. So you knew that was going to happen. You also knew that the offensive line had given up the most pressures in the league, and, they, and Chandler's ball can't block a soul. So you had to figure that they probably don't want to do a bunch of five-step drops, try and hit it deep. Now, they tried it a couple times. They called it a couple times. As I mentioned, it got killed. And they tried to do quick throws like Justin Herbert and the Chargers did last week in that win. And as we saw, those didn't really result in that much at all. But they got to figure something out. They have to find an identity. At least if Steve Wilkes last year, you knew this team on, on offense had an identity. Right now, you have no idea what that would be other than just being the worst offense in the league through four weeks, I suppose. They got to figure it out. I don't know what's going to do that. I don't know whether it's changing play callers. I don't know if it's waiting till next year when they have better players. I don't know what's going to happen to change this offense for the better moving forward. But it, it has to improve. It's already gotten late. So it may already be too late just based off of history. Uh, defensively, I thought they were good. But today, you can't really ask too much of, of this unit based off of what they were able to accomplish. They only allowed 14 points. Um, C.J. Henderson was back out there healthy. So that's a good thing. But J.C. Horn obviously didn't play. Dante Jackson, he goes out with a shoulder injury. I believe in the first quarter, maybe early second quarter, when they had to bring in Deshaun Jameson, who they picked up off of waivers. The UDFA out of Texas, who started off in training camp with the 49ers. And then he got matched up a couple times with Justin Jefferson there in the second half. So you lose those guys. Xavier Woods, three-fourths of your secondary, didn't play. Shaq Thompson's out. And you held the four, the uh, Vikings rather to 14 points, 130 yards passing if you include sack yardage. I think it was really 139 that Kirk Cousins threw for, and that was one of the keys. Don't let them carve you up. And the Panthers didn't allow that. They got decent pressure on Kirk Cousins. One of them resulted in two an interception and taking points off the board for the uh, Vikings. So two turnovers. I just can't say too much more about what Sam Franklin's been able to do since he's stepped in here into a starting role and when he came in relief last week, what Camugria Hill has been able to do. Heard a lot about him back in training camp. We've seen that plenty of years where, oh, this guy looks so great in training camp. we got to get him on the field. And he does absolutely nothing or doesn't even make the team. But Camugria Hill has been a good player for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, really appreciate his impact, what him and Sam Franklin have done. 
And that's what you want to see. There's questions about depth on this roster. Two guys step in, make big plays for the Carolina Panthers. Ethel Grosbanos, another one of those depth guys who's probably not playing as much. And Marquise Haynes is in on IR with that back injury. And maybe we'll get an update on that this week as he's now eligible to come off. Same with Austin Corbett. And I would say Stephon Sullivan as well, the tight end. That defense, they gave everything they had. And I think Jero Vero's continuing to do an excellent job considering the circumstances. You just wonder how he's able to get that much out of that unit in this offensive staff with Reich, with Thomas Brown, with Josh McCown, Parks Frazier, Jim Caldwell doing something in the background, how they're not able to get anything out of what they have with this offensive unit. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And again, things are going to have to change. They can't wait to the bye because they got two teams that they are going to really have a tough time with that they don't figure out a way to score more points than just six on offense against what's not even a great Vikings defense at all. So 0-4 with Detroit next and then at Miami. So when are the Panthers going to win a game? Because right now, ain't looking too good. We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've not signed up yet and you're not in a state where it's legal right here in North Carolina, that's the case, you should definitely bet at least $5. And get that $200, y'all, especially your Panthers fan. I know you need it. Um, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Uh, FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before we try to figure out uh, when the Carolina Panthers are going to win a game this year, let's go ahead and look back at some of the keys to victory and just see how Obviously, that worked out for the Panthers, which, I mean, they didn't win, but they did do a decent job with one of them. I talked about Force Vikings to beat them on the ground as the Vikings had the second-ranked passing offense in the league and the second-worst rushing offense in, I think I said offense. Okay, they had the second-best passing offense, second-worst rushing offense in the league. Not sure whether I said defense first time around, but either way, you understand what I'm trying to say. So really good. Throwing the football, really bad running the football. Today, the Carolina Panthers allowed 135 yards on the ground to the Vikings. That's 5.9 yards per carry. So that's four straight weeks that they've allowed at least 130 yards on the ground. They're not good at stopping the run. That is a concern. Shaq Thompson being out probably does not help matters. I also wonder, going back to 2019, when they had an older group, but they sold Luke Keekley on that defense, how bad they were against the run, running it primarily 3-4 defense. 3 fours back here in Carolina, and they stink against the run yet again, but it's not like the Panthers have been all that great against the run the last couple years. Maybe they just need to bring in guys who are better against the run. 
I'm not quite so sure. But the Vikings, if you don't count the sack yardage, they pass for only 139 yards. If you count the sack yardage, only 130 yards. Of course, sack Kirk Cousins twice, forced him to throw an interception there late in that second quarter and got the pick six early on in the game. It's not like Justin Jefferson. I mean, he had, he had two touchdowns, so the guy obviously had a big impact. If you're a fantasy owner, congratulations for having Justin Jefferson. The dude's a stud, but he didn't go crazy. He he hadn't. He's gone. I think he had like 150 yards the first two weeks. Barely missed it last week. So this is the worst game he's had so far yardage wise. He still had two touchdowns, but they did not get carved up in the manner that some of the other teams that played the Vikings so far to start the season have. And then looking at what the Panthers had defensively as far as the injuries in the secondary, minus three force of your starters to be able to go out there and perform the way they played today. You got to give them a lot of credit defensively how they play, but they got to be better against the run. And that's going to be something that teams are just going to keep wanting to do. They're going to want to establish the run against Carolina. And so far through four weeks, they are all four, 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 um, four, 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 uh, two, uh, run the damn ball. The Carolina Panthers wanted to do that, and they did a terrible job at it. 31 rushes for 84 yards at 2.7 yards per carry, y'all. Chuba Hubbard, he had those four carries for 20 yards to start the game. After that, it was 10 carries for 21 yards. Still, he looked like the far more dynamic back when he was called. Uh, then Miles Sanders had 13 rushes for 19 yards. He was on the injury report this week with that groin injury, why he missed the preseason, and I had wondered, okay, this dude does not look like the same guy we saw last year in Philadelphia. Is he cooked? Because that often happens. As soon as you pay a running back, they typically start to stink. Is, it, is that what the problem is, or is he still injured? Feels like he's still injured. Was questionable coming into today's game. It looked like Chuba really got the start. He's the one who got the first couple carries in the game. When Sanders came in, a lot of times it was, hey, up the middle for a yard, no gain, no gain, minus one, minus one. It didn't work out. So Miles Sanders so far has been certainly disappointing. I will give him the benefit of the doubt because it appears that he is not healthy. So we'll see how it works out moving forward. But the Carolina Panthers who wanted to run the football couldn't run the football. I saw a lot of folks upset about the predictable nature of the offense. I went back and charted how many first down runs the Carolina Panthers had on Sunday afternoon. They had 15 first down runs. Now, I think the concern with this comes in the second half. Six of those first down runs were in the first half. And none of them, none of the 15 first down runs that they had ever resulted in the first down. So that just shows you something that's not great. But six of them in the first half. One of those six was really a pass play out to the left, Adam Thielen. That was ruled a lateral. So they really only called five running plays on first down in the first half. But still, they averaged three and a half yards per carry on first down runs in the first half. They went for seven, six, two, three, three. You're on schedule. That's You want that. That's effective. But in the second half, where they had nine first down run calls, they averaged 1.1 yards per carry. They, the runs went for one yard, negative one, negative one, negative two, negative one, two, five, one, and six. Four straight first down calls that they had that were run plays where the Carolina Panthers got negative yardage. Four straight. Why are you calling those plays if you're not getting anything out of it? Especially up the middle where Zavala can't block anybody. You got Throckmorton on their side. And you got Bradley Rosen, who I like. So it did not work at all in the second half. If you look at the pass plays on first down, they actually called 15 of them, but you have to take two of them away because they're not official because of penalties. So 13 official called on first down on uh, first down as far as pass plays. They converted five of those into first downs. So five of the 13 official first down calls that were that were passes resulted in first downs. 15 
all 15 of the runs that were called on first down resulted into no first down. So I, I don't know, man. It's that's the thing that's mind numbing. I, I do think that they need to be able to establish a run game to help Bryce Young, but when it's not working and you're not being able to do anything, especially in the second half when the Vikings are making sure that you're not going to run the football because they want Bryce to beat you, or really the passing game to beat you, not more, not really Bryce, but the passing game. They want to set you up in situations where they can get after the quarterback. Like you got to do so much better. That is just. It's not, it's not good. So it's not nearly as predictable as a lot of people uh, want it to sound, but they did run way more in the second half on first down than they did um, in, the, in the first half. But um, it's, I don't know, it's not good. So overall, 15 first down runs compared to 13 first down passing calls and didn't work out. Passing offense. Need to take advantage of another bad defense. Bryce Young, 25-32, 204 yards, 93.2 rating. By far, I think, his best game so far, even though the passing game still left a lot to be desired. Adam Thielen, a revenge game, had seven receptions on eight targets for 76 yards. Terrace Marshall, nine receptions, which has to be a career high, on 10 targets for 56 yards, filling in for Jonathan Mingo, who's still in concussion protocol. DJ Chark, two receptions on three targets for 28 yards. He had one of them, I think it was a third and 17, where he got 12 yards, something like that. And then I don't even remember his other reception in the game. He just has not been involved nearly as much as, as much as we think he should be. Saw it last week in Seattle, didn't see it week two. So I'm just kind of confused by that. Hayden Hurst, he did get a, a target in the first half, and he got a reception for seven yards for a first down. By the way, there we go. You throw the ball, maybe get a first down. But uh, one reception on three targets for seven yards. Still would like to see Chenault more involved. Would like to see Hayden Hurst more involved. I don't know. Just the passing offense was better with, than it's been with Bryce, but it's still not nearly as good as obviously all of us would like to have seen it to start off the season here in Carolina. So those are the review of the three keys to victory for the Carolina Panthers. So I asked, when are the Carolina Panthers going to win a game? When? The Falcons aren't good. That's a game the Panthers absolutely shot themselves in the foot and they should have won. Uh, the Saints game... I think the Saints are a better team. They don't have Derek Carr right now. I don't really know how it's going to work out. <laughs> the Bucs are in first place with Baker Mayfield. I guess good for him. Um, and then you look at the Seattle game. Seattle thinks a good football team. They play on Monday night. We'll see what they do against the Giants, who have not looked good so far. And then the Vikings, who are also 0-3 in this game, they get their first win of the season. Now you have to go to Detroit, who's 3-1. and They beat the Chiefs on the road. They beat the Packers. They lost to the Seahawks. I don't know who else they played. There's somebody else they beat, obviously. Um, Said a lot of obviously today. Don't know what's wrong with me. Miami lost to the Bills, but they bludgeoned the Broncos, who appear to be awful. They also beat the Patriots on Sunday night, and then they beat somebody else. Don't know who it was, but they're 3-1, and and that is a team where the Panthers defensively, you you wonder if it's going to start to catch up with them, the injuries that they've had, especially in the secondary, going up against two really inventive passing schemes. And it's going to probably make a lot of y'all jealous that you don't have Mike McDaniel calling plays for you or Ben Johnson, who could have been your head coach, if he wasn't using David Tepper for a bigger contract in Detroit, could have maybe been your your head coach if he actually wanted the job. It's going to be tough to watch what they're going to do compared with the Carolina Panthers are doing on offense and just the blase scheme. Like, it's just – it leaves so much to be desired. And it's one thing to talk about it like I did heading to the season, thinking that, okay, the offense is probably going to struggle a little bit to start the season. But then when you have to live through it, it's so much worse. So – 
Don't know when the Carolina Panthers are going to get their first win. The Texans, they get another win. I haven't seen a Texans game. I've only seen the stats from C.J. Stroud. Looks like two straight games over 300 yards. I'm not having that conversation where the Panthers got it wrong. But Stroud, good for him and the Texans that they've gone out and they've gotten to two and two to start off the year. Everyone in the AFC South is two and two, by the way. Uh, the Colts also two and two. Went to overtime against the Rams. They lost that game. I didn't look at Richardson's stats. But those are two games you get at home. Maybe you can win one of those against two teams that have rookie quarterbacks, two teams that aren't expected to do very much at all this season. The Bears are a joke. They're, they might even be a bigger dumpster fire than here in Carolina. Justin Fields got off to a great start, according to uh, the Instagrams. No, or not the Twitter, really. Uh, that's, good. that's what I was checking out. But then they fell apart. That's a game on the road. Maybe you can beat them. Mile no. Mentioned to you earlier, 1992 Chargers, only 0-4 team to make the playoffs. That was back when they played 16 games, but having a 17th game, don't know how much good that's going to do for the Carolina Panthers. No 0-4 NFC team has ever made the playoffs. 0-6, go ahead into the bye. That is a realistic option for the Carolina Panthers, but it is the NFL. Any given Sunday, it is possible that they can win next week in Detroit. It is possible, albeit unlikely, they can win on the road in Miami. We will see what is done because this offense has to be far better in the defense. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Try and stay healthy. Get healthy you can. And we'll see how it all works out over the next two weeks here in Carolina. It's the Carolina Panthers again. Fall 21-13 to at home kind of, uh, against the Minnesota Vikings and now are 0-4 in the NFL here in 2023. But that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Again, y'all subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council, where on Wednesdays, I answer your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me to get those questions into me. Now, thank you to the 103 people that we have right now. I think we had 112 at some point here live on the show today. So appreciate everyone who stopped by to watch it live on YouTube and appreciate all the support. And please, I know the team stinks. I get it. When my teams lose, I don't want to listen to the podcast either and hear about it more. But please, 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 I'm begging you, as this looks like it's going to be a long season, please hang in here at least for the next month here in October. And then if you want to quit on me in November, go ahead, because that's what happened last year anyways. But, hey, we'll see what happens. But I'll talk to you all tomorrow as we'll talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly and react to what Frank Reich had to say after watching the film of this mess here on the show on Tuesday. But as I always say, um, be happy, be be happy, be safe, be whole. I don't even know. Keep pounding. Goodbye. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.